If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. In just a moment, I'm going to read from verse 38 through 42. I heard something this week that really just spoke to me and got right to my heart. Someone said, what kind of boat would the apostles of Jesus prefer the most? The answer, a discipleship. We'll let that one take a minute to ripple through there. Uh, It was a silly dad joke, a silly Bible joke, a silly way to start a sermon. And actually, I probably won't do that again at 1030. Let's just be honest. You know, the idea that we have these uh, disciples, these men, these followers of Jesus that have shown up in the scripture as followers of the Lord and Savior. And today we're going to see a moment that has the disciples going in a home, Jesus going into a house. And there certainly was something for them to learn and for all followers of Jesus to learn. This morning, we pick up our fourth installment of the Mic Drop series, where we're taking time to see things that Jesus said and things that Jesus did that caused people to take notice, to stop and to pay attention. We've seen Jesus heal people miraculously over the last few weeks. We've seen him forgive sins, something that caused quite a bit of controversy in that day. Last week, we experienced Jesus healing two for the price of one. Two miracles in the same day and on the same path where he heals a woman who is suffering with hemorrhaging and he heals a daughter who has died. Well, this morning, Jesus in our text is a few miles away from Galilee, his main place of operation. And he's in a little community called Bethany just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And he's going to be in the home of a family that we hear of quite often in Scripture. Uh, The home of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. He's in a home that he has been invited to, a home that he and all of his disciples have decided to spend some time in. And we're going to see two sisters, uh, two wonderful women from the Scripture who are doing very different things with Jesus in their presence. This morning, we're going to look at the acts of these two ladies as they interact with the Lord. Now, this passage is quite familiar. It's quite well known. And it's actually one that has come to us from many, many uh, centuries and has impacted thousands. One of those that has impacted is one from our very own congregation. Let's listen this morning to Miss Marie as she talks about how this passage interacted with her life. Tell me a little bit about yourself. My my name is Marie Pumpkin. Uh, I've been here at Valley Creek for 48 years, close to 48 years. I've been uh, a Christian 47 years. Uh, I'm a retired nurse from the hospital. Uh, I love to quilt, make quilts for other people. Uh, I enjoy that and I pray over while I'm making them. Has there ever been a time where you would consider yourself a Mary or a Martha? Yes, uh, quite a few years ago, I realized I was more of a Martha. I was so busy at the church and doing things and, and uh, constantly staying busy at the church. And one year they want me to do Bible school again. And, 
and I took the material and I really wasn't happy with it and a friend of mine, Donna, at work, she sat there and talked to me and wondered what was bothering me and I told her and, and she asked me if I was praying and reading my Bible and stuff and I told her no, I was too busy to do that and she talked to me what I need to be doing and I start praying and reading my Bible and realizing that I was getting too far away from God <clears throat> and so I went and took my Sunday school Bible school material back to them and felt relieved and realized I need to be uh, more like Mary. In Psalms it says, be still and know that I am God. And then my devotional says, the voice of God is always speaking to us and always trying to get one's attention, but his voice is a still, soft voice. And we must at least slow down in order to listen. And then my question is, am I spending time with Christ in his word first, or am I trying to be more concerned about doing good deeds? Let's hear this passage as she eloquently explained it. Uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now as they, the disciples and Jesus, went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This morning, as if a fly on the wall, I want to focus in on these two sisters for just a few moments, hearing Jesus' words specifically to Martha and in, in turn a bit to Mary. And then I want to come back at the end and gather us all around the feet of Jesus and allow him to teach us all something about what it means to be in his presence. Uh, let's start with Sister, Sister Martha first. If you're ready to hear, say, I'm ready. Verse 38, Sister Martha is the woman who welcomes Jesus into her house. Uh, they go into the village of Bethany, and there it says in verse 38, a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Now, the question is, where is Lazarus and where is Mary in this household? They're certainly there. We know Mary is there, even as Lazarus isn't mentioned in this particular passage. And it's mentioned that Martha is the one who welcomes Jesus into the house. And it includes that it could very well be her house. Now, this would be very much unlikely for a woman to be a homeowner in this time. And we don't really know the actual ages of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but it may be that Martha is the oldest and she is the senior of this family, that this is her home. But we know that she invites Jesus and she invites the disciples as they have entered into Bethany into her house. Now, let me ask you, how many of you have ever had a large group in your home? Anybody hosted a large group in your home? Uh, is that an easy time or a stressful time? 
We, we love to have our students in our home. And over the years, we've had groups. I think the largest group we ever had at our house was 42 college students. And let me tell you, 42 college students, it is not a peaceful time. There is food that has to be prepared. There are uh, students kind of everywhere. You sometimes don't have enough chairs. You don't have enough places to sit. People are kind of on the floor, on the couch, a little bit everywhere. And it can be quite stressful on the people hosting. We're not even talking about the actual evening of the group arriving, but even the leading up. I got the bill one time for one of these gatherings in our home. I mean, it was well over $100 in food and drinks to host this kind of gathering. It can be quite stressful to get all the things together and to get all the supplies ready to cook all the food. And eventually you just go buy pizza and throw it out there and see what happens. But Martha has invited Jesus and at least 12 disciples. And there could have been others from the town and Lazarus and Mary. She could have had 15 to 20 people in her home. And I'm telling you, the homes in these days were not big. There would be people everywhere. Constantly around every nook and corner and nook and cranny. In verse 40 tells us that she is focused with much serving. She's focused with serving this crew. And in this time and in this day, hospitality, particularly managed by the women of the house, was a sign of their level and their reputation. How well you hosted your guest in your home was a, a showing of who you were as a woman. And Martha is doing her very, very best. She's serving this group. She's making sure they're cared for. There is much to do, and she is getting after it. But verse 40 also tells us something about how this is taking a toll on her. Verse 40, it says that she is distracted. She's so focused on what's going on, so focused on the guest and the party and the needs that they have, that she's becoming distracted with all that needs to be done. Uh, this term is only used this one time in all the New Testament. It's never used again. Uh, the Greek term is persparo, and some have said it's where we get the term perspirate or perspire from. She's sweating it. <laughs> Can you imagine? She's got a lot to do. She's boiling over. Uh, it actually comes from an idea of uh, someone being drugged by a horse in, uh, around the, uh, the yard, around a field. Uh, think of a horse getting out of control and you're kind of holding on to it and you're being drugged around. That's actually what the idea of this is. She's flying around this home. She's dealing with all of these guests. And she's stressed out and she's absolutely spent. And the scripture tells us that then that gives an opportunity for a, a darker side in Martha's character. It says in verse 40 that in her frustration and in her perspiring and in her being drug all over the place, she goes to the Lord Jesus, verse 40, and she's jealous. She's upset. She says, Lord do you not care that my sister, that one over there, has left me to serve all alone? Tell her 
to help me. Now, how many of you, just write it with your hands, how many of you understand where Martha's coming from? Anybody connect with Martha right now? How many of you feel like Martha was justified in her comments about Mary? Okay, now we're getting real honest here, okay? We understand where she's coming from. She's doing all this work. And Mary is setting off doing nothing. And she's venting her frustration to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you notice what's happening? Don't you even have any sense of what this is requiring of me? Tell my sister. And I don't know if Mary is younger, but I want to say, tell my little sister. Tell little Miss Mary over here to get busy, to pitch in, to help out. Get up off the floor and lend a hand. We can feel that Martha is quite justified in her frustration and in her feelings. And verse 41, though, tells us what Jesus knows about Martha. That she's anxious, that she's troubled. The Lord says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. This is the mic drop moment. This is the statement that Jesus makes that catches everyone's attention. This is the call he has to Martha to catch her in this feeling of frustration and in this feeling of distress and remind her of what's the most important thing. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious, you are troubled about so many things. Now I have to tell you, I, I hear Jesus' words in this verse a little differently in my ears. Uh, I served for a number of years with a pastor who was also one of my professors, and he was from Louisiana. Anybody from Louisiana? Good, because this next little part may be slightly uh, deflammatory from anybody from Louisiana. But he had a funny way of saying certain words. Uh, he would refer to a hurricane as a hurricane. And anytime I heard him mention a hurricane, I mean, I wanted to crack up. He would also mention people who were being laxadaisical. He would say they're laxadaxical. I mean, just completely the funniest way to say that phrase. But we had a church secretary, and her name was Martha. And when Martha was needed by Dr. Stevens, he'd say, Martha, Martha, get me this. Martha, Martha, get me that. Martha. And when I hear this verse, I hear Dr. Stevens saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about many things. I don't know why I make him a southern Louisianan Cajun Jesus, but he is in my head right here. Martha, Martha. But can you imagine Jesus calling your name not once but twice? Shane, Shane. Luke, Luke. Kim, Kim. Martha, Martha. He called her out, he called her to attention. He called her to stop and to take notice. And there are times in our lives, in our walk with the Lord, that we hear the voice of Jesus calling us out. Hey, pay attention here. Take notice. 
Look this way. I have something for you. Martha, you are absolutely anxious. You are absolutely troubled. You are frustrated. You are upset with Mary. You're probably upset with all these disciples. Mary, you're probably upset with me in the way you gave your feelings of stress. And I imagine at times we need to hear the Lord's voice calling to us in the midst of our most busy schedules, our absolutely crazy lives, stressed out, frustrated, completely strewn about. And we hear the Lord say, hey, come on, wake up, pay attention, stop, focus. You see, Martha has the very son of God in her house. She is the very Lord of all creation in her midst. And she's so busy with doing stuff for him that she's missing that he's right in front of her. That he's right in her home and in her hearing. You can hear the words of Jesus calling her to attention. It reminds me of what Jesus called us to in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus in Matthew 6, 25, he is preaching and he says, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? How much of our time is spent anxiously fidgeting with how much we're going to eat and what we're going to wear and what we're going to do? He then in that sermon said, look to the birds. Like, look up. They neither reap nor sow, but the heavenly father feeds every single one of them. He says, look at the flowers in the field. Look down at the things you're trampling on, the things you're walking on. Look at the flowers and they neither work nor toil, but they are adorned more beautifully than Solomon in all his glory. Look up. Look down, look around you. You're so anxious about what you will eat and what you will wear and what you will do that you're missing out on the things that demonstrate God's provision for you. He then concludes, he says in verse 33 of Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the main thing, the one thing, the good thing in his righteousness. And all these other things, what you will eat, what you will wear, what you will do, that will be added. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I can confess to you as your friend and brother, I have an anxious tendency, an anxious personality. I can spend many a night Missing hours of sleep, worrying about what will happen at 8.30, 9, 10.30 the very next day. I can share with you very honestly that anxiety and anxious feelings is something that I know is very, very real. Emotionally, physically, mentally, I can tell you that I don't dismiss the reality of anxiety, worry, stress, on the body, on the mind, on the soul. And I wonder, not that Jesus in Matthew 6 or in the situation with Martha, is he giving some simple glib, don't worry, just 
Seek me. I don't think that's where the teaching is coming from, but I do think it's a correction that at times we can be so focused on all these things and all the things we got to do and all the things that we got to experience and make manage of, and we can miss the main thing, the one thing. We can seek all the things of this world and all the trappings that it has and miss seeking out Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And in doing so, It doesn't relieve our anxiety. If anything, focusing on all these temporary things increases our anxiety. It increases the fears and the worries and the anxiousness that we have. Anxiety is a real thing. But Jesus is the main thing. Anxiety is not false. It's just Jesus is greater. And we can focus in on him. It reminds me of that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. I love this line. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we turn our eyes to Jesus, when we look fully into the main thing, into his presence and to hear his words and to hear, have him enter in our lives, it will make the things that we're stressed over and we're worried over and we're anxious over seem less in the light of his greatness, in his goodness and in his presence. Amen. We all can be Martha. But Jesus is encouraging us to think more like Mary. Well, let's look at Mary just for a moment. Then the words about her are a bit more thin. Verse 39 introduces her and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. Where is Mary? She's at Jesus's feet. Martha's in the house. Mary's in the house. Maybe Lazarus is around. But Mary is at the Lord's feet. She found a spot. And she took it. The scripture says in verse 39 that she's listening to his teaching. She's trying to absorb every single thing she can. This is more than hearing him out on a mountaintop or hearing them at the side of a seashore. This is more than Jesus, the moving teacher in this community and that community. Jesus is in her house and she's going to take advantage of this opportunity. Yes, there are certainly chores. There are certainly people to care for. But Mary's not going to miss this moment. In verse 42, we see that Jesus commends Mary. That he admonishes Martha by extolling what Mary is doing. That she has chose wisely. He said, you Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about many things. But one thing is necessary. Then he points to Mary at his feet. Mary has chosen the good part, the good portion. And it will not be taken away from her. She's not going to lose this because she has chose wisely. She's dialed in. She wants to receive from the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I ask you, which would you be more like? Would you be more like Martha or would you be more like Mary? And for all of us, we need to recognize these two truths, two truths and we are finished. Truth number one, being busy does not equal being blessed. 
I'm going to say that again because I didn't get an amen at all. Being busy does not equal being blessed. I mean, there is a concept in our world, really in American life, that the busier we are, the more things we have to do, the more things that we have oversight of, the more things we have on our to-do list means that we're doing and doing and doing and doing, which means we're going to be blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed by God. Being busy does not equate being blessed. Because you can be radically busy and completely miss the blessing of God. You can have all these things filling your calendar and filling your days. And you can completely miss the presence of God in your life. Being busy does not mean being blessed. And I will say this, and I am nervous because I'm right on the thin ice here. Being busy for God can become idolatry. Becoming so busy in doing things, thinking that this is going to make God love you more, make God like you more, make God bless you more. Being busy can become something that you worship in exchange for worshiping God Almighty. It's as close to an idol as anything we have in our culture. And I believe well-meaning, well-desiring, devoted followers of Jesus get trapped that if they can just put all the stuff in as much as possible in this group and working with this committee and on this team and I serve these many hours and I give this much away and I keep, keep, keep adding to the list that that means God's love for me is more. That God's blessing on me is more. That God's liking of me is more. That is not the truth. Friends, can I share an important word with you? You can't make God love you more and you can't make God love you less. Because God's love for you is not based on you. God's love for you is based on what Jesus has done for you. You can't make your little impressive meter for God go up because you're super busy and it's not going to come trickling down when you're lackadaxical. <laughs> because God's love for you is not based on what you do for Him. God's love for you is based on what Jesus did for you on the cross. If I could invite the praise team to join me. I'm going to close with this final thought. Martha has found the good portion at his feet. The good part. The better choice. Psalm 16 verse 5 says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. There is no doubt that every one of us, from the youngest in our faith to the most senior of saints, every one of us, could benefit and could be blessed more in our walk with the Lord if we attempted to be at his feet more. Amen? To be at his feet, to be under his teaching, to be under his word, to be under the care of God's spirit, to be in worship with him and in communion with him and in devotion to him, we all could benefit from choosing the good portion more in our lives. I know I can. Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of old, said it this way. He says, I may sometimes run with Martha to do what Christ needs of me. 
but I think I should more frequently sit with Mary to receive from Christ what I need from him. There is no doubt every one of us would benefit from the good portion that's available at Jesus' feet. Miss Marie told us that when posed with the question, which were you more like, Mary or Martha? She had found herself in the pattern of Martha. Doing, doing, doing. And in exchange, she had missed the portion that Mary had. Prayer, Bible study, communion with the Lord. And I wonder this morning, which sister would you be more like? If I could have you bow your heads for just a moment. Maybe you have come to a place where you recognize I am trying to do and do and do but I have missed sitting and learning and communing with my Lord and maybe this morning you just want to confess that confess it to Christ confess it to the Lord allow his spirit to grant you that forgiveness and to draw you back in maybe this morning you would say I I know my time as one with Mary is light. I got so much to do, so much to think about, so many places to be. That finding a moment to even be under the teaching and under the word of Jesus is hard to come by. And maybe this morning you just want to recommit yourself to making that an important, necessary, essential part of your day and your time. If there are others who maybe have heard this message of these two sisters and they have no idea what it means to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, I would be honored today to tell you about what it means to trust him and to know him as your King and God. So Lord, I pray right now, if there be a decision, a response, an action we need to take this morning, that you would cause us to do it. That you would bring us to that point where we are at your feet, surrendered to your word, listening intently to what you have to say to us. We thank you for this time and I thank you for this passage and I thank you, Lord, for your spirit who speaks in far better ways than I can. And I pray now if there be any decision that you would allow us to respond appropriately in Jesus' name. Amen.